0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 86 of The Informed Catholic. I got an article here from Crisis Magazine. Uh, It's from September 22nd, 2022, so it's a little late. It's by Eric Sammons, um, S-A-M-M-O-N-S. The anti-Catholic path of synodality. We've been hearing this whole term of synodality. Um, it's kind of like, basically, it's something that pretty much dominates the um, <clears throat> the Eastern Orthodox uh, the synod, sort of like a, I guess you can say, kind of like a Congress or a Senate of bishops and. Um, I guess you can say it's similar to what the Sanhedrin basically was for Israel. But let's just look at this over here. It's here's a, here's a bio of the whole thing. This week, the USCCB released a report with the bureaucratically self-important title, National Synthesis of the People of God in the United States of America for the Diocesan, diocesan Phase of 2021 to 2023 synod essentially its report from the bishops summarizing the result of the past year's synodal listening sessions held in a diocese throughout the country. It's as bad as you expect. We see, I don't think Mr. Simmons Simmons here, um, has a very positive view about it. I don't. Um, it's it's kind of like just a, I, I, I really hesitate to say anything because it's really um i find the whole idea bad because there's a lot of to me it's just a, a nest bed a, a a nest bed a hole of festering activists and um, because activists love this. They love this because this is a field day for them. To me, this is just a, a field day for them to to grab hold of money, to me, for all the Judases to rob the church. And also it's going to be the abuse of, of liturgy is going to be abuse of doctrine is going to be abuse of, do- of, of the churches of the church itself. And it's not something I like because there's been so much of, um, abuse. Uh, it's to me also, uh, an excuse for the, for the sexual predators to, to take advantage of. It's an abuse for, um, for the, the perversion of, of the culture to come in and abuse the church. None of this is going to be about faith. None of this is going to be about Jesus Christ. None of this is going to be about the gospel. None of this is going to be about the salvation of souls. It's going to be constant abuse, constant. It's, it's an excuse for everyone to take advantage of the church, to rob the church, and and it's going to be an advantage for cover-up from massive cover up and, you know nothing is going to change it's only going to get worse and it's going to divide divide the church even far more far more than what is already divided you got the 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 rad trads on one end and you got the the extreme um the extremist left uh, uh, liberals on one end and and you know you got everybody taking a side You got everyone taking a side, you know, you got the LGBTQ on one end and you got the, uh, the abusive bishops, uh, you know, who basically want to protect their power on the other end. And you got all the, the, you got all the Karens pretty much, uh, you know, the church Karens everywhere, just taking, uh, taking their, their, uh, their foxholes. It's just ridiculous. All right. Let's look at it here. Mo- most of the input gathered consists of commonly repeated, uh, Conrads, Connards, or whatever. However, he, when he means here, this that seemed to come straight from the diocesan ch- uh, chanceries, not actual people in the pews. For example, one synodal consulta- consultation reported people noted that the church seems to prioritize doctrine over people. There you have it, right there. Rules and regulations over lived realities, lived realities. People want the church to be a home for the wounded and broken, not an institution for the perfect. They want the church to meet people where they are, wherever they are, and walk with them rather than judging them. To build real relationships through care, authenticity, not superiority. In other words, no conversion, no change of life, not living the gospel. Notice it didn't mention Jesus Christ. It didn't mention repentance of sins. It means basically they stay in their sin and they don't change. And they're going to exploit the church to their own ends and their own means. That's what it means. This cliche written written passage would only find a home in the corporate marketing or diocesan communications department. It's full of straw men, whoever claimed they wanted an institution for the perfect, whoever claimed they wanted an institution for the perfect or to build relationships based on superiority and mushy language that pushes an agenda that's soft on sin and squishy on doctrine. It's exactly what I was saying. There was also the typical complaints revolving around power politics. In a section titled, Co-Responsibility, the report states, many want to see the church leadership taken more seriously in the talents and knowledge of the laity. Some expressed the need to use more effective parish councils on the diocesan pastoral councils. Yes, just what the church needs, better committees, we're gonna become more like the Anglicans, right? To the point, I mean, never mind trying to get people back into church. Never mind trying to do more um, reverent liturgies. Never mind, uh, never mind better homilies. Never mind, uh, just better services where we could, you know, better liturgical services where we, where, you know, we could bring people in. Never mind that. I mean, nobody's looking at the fact that the, the pews are empty. I went to, um, this This is the 27th Sunday of Ordinary Time, so I'm doing this podcast. I went to evening service last night for 5 o'clock. And a lot of them were mostly elderly people, right? So I don't know. I, I know that the services in the daytime for Sunday is going to be very scarce. It's been very scarce a lot lately. Right? And I I think people just seem like they've given up. They're holding on a, a parish, a Catholic church in America, on life support. It's basically on a hospice. It's basically on a hospice. I mean the priest was 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 good he was a chinese priest his english was difficult to understand it seems like i'm getting a lot of priests lately with very who are difficult to understand people just given up they've given up they've given up on 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 understanding the priest i mean you know they you can you can understand when he's saying the consecration but when he's given a homily you don't understand right the covid seems to have put the, the the local parish on on hospice so what are we you know what are we looking forward to i mean if we get i mean one part we get a priest we go we don't understand another on, a, on another maybe another sunday we get a priest that's basically just just wants to get through the get get through the consecration just get get through the mass and get it over with right because you might get a priest who 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 doesn't even want to say the Nessian Creed, just wants to say the Apostles Creed, right? Barely can walk to the to the front of the church, right? Just makes a quick, you know, five degrees turn to the to the uh, chancery and just go back there, right? Doesn't want even doesn't even want to say goodbye to people because he's basically he can't walk anymore. And then you get another priest that basically has his own ideas of what doctrine is because he's he, you know. I mean, I remember one priest he just talked about a lot of things that seemed to to put down the church. They got rid of him. They that 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 they got rid of. That they got rid of. Never mind asking for a priest that can speak English. Good. Never mind asking a priest that seems to be motivated to want to say a good mass. No. Never mind if he's too if he's conservative and orthodox, they'll get rid of him. But if he's. Tired, worn out, can't speak English, put them up there. Put them up there. So, to be fair, the report is noted that the limited access to the 1962 missile was lamented. And trust in the hierarchy of the church is weak and needs to be, well, at least they were honest about that, I'm surprised, needs to be strengthened. There is an understatement. But overall, this document joins a very long list of previous USCCB documents that will be read by few and cared about by even fewer. All right. So, yeah, uh, they don't, this is just, this is just, I think, um, an excuse for abuse. That's all it is. That's all it is. An excuse for abuse. The bishops are not going to do anything. They're doing everything they can to suppress the, the Trinitine Mass. They're doing everything. I mean, instead of, instead of taking the wheel, instead of taking the front wheel to take advantage, to realize if this is bringing him into the church, why not take advantage of this? Why not do this? Why not just jump to the front and at least take an opportunity to see what you can do. If this is going to bring them in, why not? Why not take take the helm? Why not take the front? Take advantage of this and use this to bring people in. If it's bringing people into the church, if it's bringing the young people into the church, take advantage. Figure out a way Instead of letting, letting the, the, the right-wingers who don't have any faith bring in bishops that know, know what to do. Why not bring in Athanasius Schneider? Why not bring in uh, Father Rippiker? Why not bring in uh, you know all the other Orthodox priests and bishops that, that know what to do? Take advantage of it instead of looking at it as hostile. is a big problem than the bad um there's a big problem than the bad points found in this document yes the whole synodal process institutionally favors endorsing heresy and immorality and this document reflects that but honestly we've grown used to this drivel and catechized catholics at least can see those errors we automatically shut them out as irrelevant to actual life as a Catholic. The real problem is the fatally flawed underlying presuppositions behind this document and the whole synod and synodality process. The assumption behind this process is that the church is an institution that shapes itself to the wants and desires of its members. The USCCB document highlighted the statement: "People want the church to be a home for the wounded and broken, not an institution for the perfect." <clears throat> that problem I really hate. I hate. I hate that. That statement. This presumes that it matters what the people want, but ultimately it doesn't. Do we really, Do we really think Saint Peter and the apostles sat around asking everyone to describe what they want? Out of the church did St. Augustine of Canterbury show up on the isles and take a survey of how to incorporate paganism into Christianity. Did the 16th century Jesuits talk to the new Protestants about their grievances then try to reshape the church in their desired mold. The concept of everyone sitting around and sharing their feelings about what they want. Is a modern conceit and it is wholly alien to Catholicism and the proclamation of the gospel. The church's mission isn't to make us feel happy or even feel welcome. The church's mission is to save us. And the only way that that happens is if we change our lives, not change the church. Okay, this is the part that's great. The church's mission isn't to make us feel happy or even feel welcome. The church's mission is to save us. And the only way that happens is if we change our lives, not change the world. It's, it's sounding like the college campuses. It's sounding like the woke crowd, the narcissistic college kids. They're like running the church or something. This is all, I mean, seriously. Where in the Bible, where did you ever find Jesus asking the apostles, Simon, Peter, John, Judas, Matthew, how do my words make you feel? Is there anything in my words that trouble you? No, he never asked them. You'll never hear the word feel Throughout the whole God, the whole Bible, I don't think you you ever f- hear the word feelings. I mean, yeah, you may hear the psalmist des- describing his feelings in metaphors. He may feel uh, the psalmist may describe abandonment. He may describe despair. He may dis- you know, he may express his anger. He expresses those things, but. There's never <clears throat> you never had God asking anybody from the top of Mount Sinai. How do the Ten Commandments make you feel? Or did He ask Noah, um, "How did how did the flood make you feel?" No, He didn't even ask Abraham about how, you know, you know Abraham's feelings about him going down and destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, or. Did, did God ever ask any of the Israelites, um, how, did, how did the 10 plagues of Egypt make you feel? Well, how did the me covering the Pharaoh and his chariots, um, you know, in the Red Sea, drowning him, how did that make you feel? Well, how did the poison uh, snakes, the, the asp that I sent, because you guys, uh, you know, got me angry and you cursed the manna and I sent you serpents to to, to, to to bite you, to poison you. How did that make you feel? No, he never asked that kind of question. He never asked that. The point is, it's obedience of faith. This is a modern Western construct, which is a word they love to use now, construct, about feelings. Feelings is, 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 is irrelevant. You know? And we're obsessed with feelings. And the truth is, you know who's obsessed with feelings? Unrepented sinners. Unrepented sinners are expressed about how they feel. Remember Judas when, when when uh, Mary took the the jar or the, the bottle of nard, broke the seal, poured it over Jesus' head and on his feet, and wiped his his feet with her hair. And what did he do? He expressed. His disdain towards it and said, why this waste? We could have sold it and gotten proceeds and given it to the poor. What did Jesus say? Since when do you care so much about the poor? Leave her alone. She's done a good deed for me. She's prepared me for my funeral. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. Nobody seems to care that we have Jesus. Nobody seems to care about him. Everybody's, everybody, everybody cares about their unrepented sins because that's what, that's what happens to us when we don't want to repent. We care about our own sinful nature. We don't want to give it up. We want the church to accept it. This is why the whole idea is meet us where we are. Walk with us. Don't judge us. Don't tell us to repent. Don't ask us to repent because we're not going to repent. That's what it's that's what the report says. And the church is going to be destroyed because let me tell you something. Sinners don't have to come back. If they're if you know unrepentant sinners don't have to come back. They just simply can walk out there. That's the whole point. They just want to use the church's resources. And there's a lot of people in charge that are just the same way. The bishops and the people in the chancery, all the Karens, nobody cares about, about repenting. I mean, just, just now, a couple of minutes ago on the radio, a woman ran a man over, killed him. Why? Because he was cruel to a cat. And she didn't like that. So are we going to meet her halfway? You know, Dr. Jordan Peterson says... When you talk about saving the world, when you're talking about saving the environment, what you're really expressing is a hatred for humanity, a hatred for, for, for the people of the world. You're not really talking about saving people because you're not talking about people. You don't care about people. So sinners, unrepented sinners, don't care to repent And the truth is they hate the church and they hate the gospel and they hate Christ. Nobody wants to say that because you know why? The people in charge are unrepentant. It's just, you know, unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. This is why so many people this is why there's no faith in the Eucharist. Notice they don't mention the sacrament, they don't they don't they don't mention the real presence in the Eucharist. They, they they keep doing the same thing over and over again, the same stupid thing hoping that they might get a different result. And the answer is they're not getting a different result because they don't want a different result. They don't want a different result. These are people who hate the church. All right? I'm sorry. You think all these illegals, these illegals who are here, really want the church for the gospel? No. Some people want the church for one thing, covering covering their bodies Filling their bellies, right? They want to. They want. They want to get the handouts. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm not being anti-immigrant, but what I'm saying is they're uncatechized. They don't care about the gospel. They care only that their bellies are filled. This is why the church is empty. Because you're ignoring the fact that they're not there for the gospel. They're not there to live a holy life. Which is why they don't show up every Sunday. You give them what they need because they want only the material needs. People, no, people really, it's a psychological thing. They're they've been they were uncatechized before they came. They know the church will give them a handout, but the church is not asking them to repent. To be to, to be the people of God. To become a new creature, because that's what repentance means. It means you end your earthly, unrepentant life, and you become a new creature in Christ. Repentance of sin. To be born again. To become a new creature, but you're not giving them that because you're not, you know, you're going through the process. <clears throat> they'll, they'll, they'll go through the process. They'll go through the process of catechesis, but their intentions is not to change. Their repentance is not to change, which is why they don't come back. Which is why after they go through the process, and then when they don't need the church anymore, when their needs are met... Right when their needs, when their when their material needs are are, are met, and if the church, if you know, they'll come back if they if their material needs are not met, but if their material needs are completely met by the world, by the by the by the materialistic world, what do they need the church? Because the church has not really, you know, done anything for them. It has not. It has not really. The church has addressed their physical needs, not their spiritual needs. And the truth is, the people who work in the catechesis class are. Are looking at this as a job because that's all it is is a the job there's no there's no real risk the only the only loss is if the church if the parish shuts down That's all I'm saying it's you know nobody's paying attention to that. I remember right before easter sunday i I, I talked about this before, before there was a group of nuns. They were coming by, they they tried to help out with the with the with the catechism program. They asked all the kids to line up right in front of the altar to take a picture. Some of the kids didn't want to take their mask off because they thought it was corny and stupid. And I remember one kid, there was one kid taking a picture, and all the nuns lined up with them. There was one girl on one end of the uh, this, the main the sanctuary in the front. And She had her mask on and she had her right hand up and she pulled out her middle finger. She pulled it back in because I guess she, she had a second thought about it, but I clearly saw her middle finger sticking out. Basically saying F you to the world. Now I saw it. Naturally, the nuns didn't see it because they were all lined up with them to take the photo, but I saw it. I caught a hold of it. Now let me ask you, do you think that girl's probably come back to the to 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 church after her her confirmation and her first communion? I don't think so. I don't think so. This is the problem what I'm saying about the catechists. They're just become like so their heads are so up in the clouds, or they just don't want to see it. I'm not saying the nuns the, the nuns the nuns themselves had good incha- good intentions. their intentions were to break the to make these kids holy, but sometimes you also don't want to see what's there because you just don't know how to deal with it. It's become a process, a conveyor belt, a catechesis compare belt. Put them through the process and out the door. And then you get the next one, put them through the process, and out the door. There's no real conversion. There's no real presence. It's like, I would say, it's probably the routine that was going on in Jesus' day. Where the Pharisees simply were imposing the rules of, the, uh, of, of, the, of their traditions But in a shadow manner, and maybe that's what happened also during the time right before the Reformation. This is the crisis of faith. I mean, I know that a lot of these people have good intentions, and a lot of the bishops basically are doing the administrative work. Remember, this is the problem. It's just everyone is detached from the reality, from the reality, and from the uh, from the lack of substance. You know, the, the spiritual substance. It's a problem. Now, I'm going to admit, I'm not involved in catechism. I'm not. And I I don't have the time to do it. But I'm talking as a layperson convert. And I'm doing my part by doing a podcast. Now, someone may complain and say, well, you're just complaining on the side. Maybe you're right. But I don't believe I don't have to do this. I don't have to put a podcast out and I'm going to tell you, I'm not making any money from it either, but I do care about the church. I do care about the faith and, and I'm going to say this because I, you know, you've heard me say it before. The problem I have is that I've attended. Okay. This is like probably the second parish in my life. I would say this, okay? And I've been to, I used to go to um, St. Catherine of Siena, which is further, uh, you know, by uh, Sunset Park, Brooklyn, right? And I attended that parish for a long time. Again, nobody got to know me there. Nobody bothered to ask me my name. I used to attend it on Sundays when, um when I had a different schedule and before I went back to another schedule, which I couldn't attend Sundays anymore. And as much as I went to that parish, I even at one time, my mom and I used to drop off food to the pantry. We did our part. We tried it. We tried to get involved. You know, we tried to give, give, you know, give back. And I'll say this, as much as I attended that parish, And I liked it. It was a quiet parish. There wasn't a lot going on. It was in a neighborhood where there was a vast majority of Orthodox Jews. And uh, at some point, I think they rented their school out because they just didn't have enough kids. And nobody ever got to know my name. Nobody said hello to me and my mom. And in this particular basilica, a beautiful basilica, I have to say, it is far more beautiful than St. Catherine of Siena. And it's a little bit more active. But guess what? Same thing. No, there's no, you know, there's pockets of community, pockets are involved in themselves. The Italians are, ignore, are, are involved with the Italians. The, the Chinese are involved with the Chinese. And the, um, the Hispanic community is involved in the Hispanic community. And there's nothing. I'm sorry. There's nothing. There's nothing, there's not even an adult program uh, for adults to meet. And I bet you, you probably are not even going to get it. I don't know. I mean, no one seems to want to try it. You know, I think the problem is, is that the modern Catholic church is, is, you know, especially in, in, in America, especially in the big cities like New York, is a disassociated from itself The parish are not it's, it, there's no there's no real unity there's no unity there's no there's no spirit of brotherhood. They're trying everything but the gospel. I'm I'm, I'm sorry to say this. They're trying everything but the gospel. They're trying to be like the world. It's trying to be like the world. There's no unity. There's no prayer. There's a lot of culture. There's, There's a lot of consciousness of culture. You know, For the Chinese, for the Italians, for the Hispanics, but there's nothing else. And it's dying. It's, like I said, it's on hospice. You know, there's no real substance of faith. There's no real uh, call for conversion, call for living the faith. The early Christians, they had no choice but to get to know each other. they get to know each other they they knew they knew uh about each other they 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 needed to know each other and they and they were and one of the things that they kept in in their midst is always the lord is always the lord there's none of this here and i and i'm sorry to say this that even the saints would reject what the church is doing now i know they 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 love to you know like like for example, Our Lady Guadalupe is really just become, <clears throat> in my opinion, a call for cultural identity. It's not so much about the message of Guadalupe, because I know because I don't hear people doing that. There's always is basically just like Christopher Columbus is really just a call to celebrate italian identity okay that's fine that's fine but at the same time you know we all know that we all know that's what columbus is all about but let's say you bring something like santa lucia or uh, or let's say uh, padre pio right it's all about identity it's all about you know it's, it's 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 you know yeah the saint is italian but what about the message of padre pio what about his message his need his, the need to, to acknowledge padre pio the man the, the message what he represented that he was a, a christ bringer he was a stigmatist he talked about sin, you know he talked about repentance of sin no one ever because the word sin is never is never mentioned you ever, if you know, if you notice this in your local parish the word sin is never mentioned Okay. To repent, to be born again, to become a new creature in Christ, to die to yourself, to die to your selfishness, to your sinful nature, to the sinful nature that holds you from becoming the creature that God wants you to be, the new, a new life in Christ. Okay. Saint Teresa of Luxeux, her little way was a way to die to self and to become a new creature that is the point of every single saint that is the very message of every saint it's not about you it's about christ and this is the problem with the modern catholic church in america it's trying to be like the world it's trying to be imitate the world it's not imitating christ Talk about the message. We come. Why do we come to mass every? I mean, everybody was like a zombie. Everybody was was like was somber, and nobody was no joy. They're holding on. They're holding on because they know they have to hold on to the faith. But the problem is, that the, yeah. The priest gave a wonderful message last night. I understood some of it. What he was saying. He was talking about a woman who desperately wanted to become pregnant, who wanted to have a baby, who wanted to fulfill her mission to become the woman that God has called her to be, a mother. And I understood that. And she tried. She tried everything. She tried every doctor. And her friend told her, why not become Catholic? And she joined the Catholic Church. I'm sure she was married. Obviously, she had to be married in order to want to have a child, her and her husband. They joined the Catholic Church. They joined the catechesis program and at some point through the, you know, I couldn't hear everything what he was saying. I couldn't understand everything he was saying, but miraculously, her prayers were answered. All right. Her prayers were answered. They had a baby girl. And this is a true story that the priest was, was mentioning. And that's Beautiful it's a pro life message it's 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 fulfilling your 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 destiny to be a mother to be a parent to bring new life into the world that's the whole point that's a wonderful message but the the everybody was quite, was kind of like uh you know unresponsive because the truth is there is no conversion. The message was beautiful, but everybody was like unresponsive. I thought it was a beautiful message. But I mean I'm gonna honestly say it. There's no response. There is no there's no there's no true conversion. There's no life. It's lukewarmness. You know, and I and and I'm sorry to say this because it's the priest was was heading the right direction. But I'm sorry to say this that the people are just not responsive. There's not enough. There's no real joy of living your faith there should be joy of living the catholic faith there should be joy there should be joy that we have the sacrament that we have the real presence there should be joy of the fact that we have the liturgy and i don't know what it, i don't know what to say because there's something wrong there's something wrong in the catholic faith there's something really wrong in the church. And the root of it is not being answered. The synodal way is actually not the right direction to go. It's not the right direction to go. It's the wrong direction. It's not, it's it's, it's, it's more towards the world. It's more towards, towards activism. The real answer is spiritual. And the bishops are not, they don't know how to do it because they're not trained to do it. They're not equipped to do it. They don't have, they don't have the right spiritual guidance. They're, they're administrators. They're acting like CEOs and they need, I don't think these men can do it. Cause I don't, I think it's too late for them, not too late for them to be saved. Too late for them, in a sense, to 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 do this work. They're not equipped to do the work. They're not. They're not. You know, whatever it is, they need to retire and step aside and let some fresh souls, some 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 souls that really understand what the need are, and they're, And I think they just don't know how to do it. These men don't know how to do it. A lot of the priests don't know how to do it. Uh, I think a lot of the older generation um, has been uh, walking that path of um, the path of you know you know not not living the faith. They can't. I think it's hard for them to let go because it's hard for them to admit that they that they that they're failures. Because they're, that they're failures. They, they're of that generation that had an idea in their head that they were going to change the world and they didn't realize that what they embraced was the false gospel. Okay. And, Along the way, God was giving them signs, I mean people like Scott Hahn and there were other people who who came from Protestantism and who discovered the Catholic faith. I mean when I remember listening to Scott Hahn, there was Catholic priests telling him that he didn't have to convert because they were convinced that Vatican II did not require for him to convert. There was a priest that said that 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 did that he was a chain smoking. You know, potty mouth priest, and I, I think, I think Scott Hahn, um, because he described him too well. I think that the priest was hurt because he was because he was seen that way. But he was convinced that that Protestants don't have to come to the Catholic Church, that no one has to convert, that you're better off staying where you are. Now, imagine, imagine the apostles telling a pagan that not not to convert. That you're better off staying where you are. Can you imagine Saint Paul saying that to to some to some you know Sodomite Roman that you don't have to convert that you're better off staying where you are? I mean, it's impossible to imagine that. But this is this is this is the this is the beginning of because uh, Scott Hahn converted sometime between the seventies and eighties, I believe, and I. I got exposed to him when I was uh when after I got out of college because I I remember there was cassette tapes about the conversion of Scott Hahn and I remember um you know the book I still have the book the uh, home rome sweet home and I remember all those you know you know hearing him talk about those things I remember he was you know he used to give all these talks and sadly he was told this by this priest, and this is the same thing. It's the same thing where, where, we're being told that converting people was, is colonialism. That converting people is destroying their lives. The church's mission is to convert, to bring new souls, and this is this is the mission of it. And the problem is, is that you still got this generation of people who think that, you know, who don't want to admit that they're wrong. That everything that they they were told back in the beginning of Vatican II, that started from 1960 and maybe 1963, whatever, that everything that that you don't have to convert anybody, which is why we have all the stuff about LGBT, why we have James Martin, why we have... um, Um, you know, these, these, these bad bishops, these bad priests, these, these, these activists, they're all activists and they're old, (laughs) they're all old. And some of them are, yes, they are homosexuals and they don't want to change their lives. They don't want to, they hate, there's this, sometimes you can love something and hate something at the same time. Love it because you know it's the truth and hate it because you know it's the truth. It's uh, it's common that someone can have both those things. And remember Jesus said, you cannot love God and love the world. You cannot love God and your sin. You cannot love God and money. You cannot love God and mammon. You'll cling to one and you'll hate the other. You'll love one and despise the other. You cannot love both. You cannot have both in your life. And this is something that a lot of these people do not want to admit. So they will, they will even reinvent Jesus. They will uh, come up with a whole new Jesus. They will come up with a whole new gospel. Or they'll ignore the entire gospel and come up with something completely different. But at the same time, they will remain in the church. A, a paradox a paradox difficult to figure out, difficult to understand not easy to understand and you're not going to understand it. I'm sorry you're just not going to understand it. It's going to be ridiculous and it's going to be absolutely monstrous. you just can't you just can't figure this out. It's impossible to figure this out. And this is the this is a fact. this is why you have you've had all the sexual abuse crisis. Because, you know, it's difficult for these people to admit it. And then you look the other way, and then you'll get the, um, you'll get those who, who also in the church, the, the chancery workers, who will, who have the same problem, who have the same problem as the clergy, the same symptom, the same disease, Love, love the church; hate the church. Love Christ; hate Christ. Love the gospel; hate the gospel. Love the world even more, and refuse to admit. Refuse to admit because it's that same Judas thing. I think of the part where Judas, you know, remember I mentioned where he complained about the the nard, the spike nard that was used for his uh, preparation, for his uh, pre-preparation for his funeral, where Mary, Ma- Mary, or one of the Marys, I think it could be Mary Magdalene, who poured the nard over his head and and wiped his feet with her hair. And he says it could have been sold and given to the poor. And then Jesus responded, and he also got the apostles to agree with him. The apostles agree because devotion, devotion like like Mary. Is complete giving of yourself to Christ. Her hair is complete giving of herself. You know, the woman's hair is her glory, right? It's her glory. It's a symbol of her, of herself, of giving of herself. The wiping of his feet is complete worship of him bowing down worshiping him kissing his feet pouring the nard is a symbol of her prayers a complete her prayer giving all her material stuff to him because it costs money nard comes from india it's a, it's a it's an ointment a spice that comes from india uh, from the east it's you know it's expensive but it's also it filled the whole room They said that they said it it says in the passage, the whole house was filled with the fragrance, which means was filled with her love and devotion to him, her prayer to him. You know, it was a public liturgy. She wasn't hiding her feelings or her love, her passion for him, her spiritual passion for him, her complete giving of him. That's what we're missing. We're missing that. Which is why our liturgies are dull and unaffectual. There's no feeling anymore. Because we are, we're completely arguing within ourselves between the world and Him. You know, we, we become those people on the day of his, of his trial, where Pilate says, Who should I release to you? Barabbas, who was also named as Jesus. Or Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And what did they say? We have no king but Caesar. We're choosing Caesar. And we're fooling ourselves by thinking we worship Christ. That's what our problem is. Because that's why you have Catholics like Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, and, and others. And you have Andrew Cuomo... Right, you have you have people like Dr. Fauci and others who really hate Christ in their heart. You can't tell me you love Jesus and you can kill babies. You can't tell me you love Jesus and you can choose sodomy. And we don't want to say it, so we are getting the the due punishment for our sins. A church that is slowly dying. And the bishops are fooling themselves. Okay, they so they want to have a good relationship with the government. They don't. They want to. They they, they don't want to lose that um, that contract to help to help the uh, the immigrants. They want the money. You want the money. You chose the thirty pieces of silver over Christ, and you want to say you still love Jesus. Like Judas, he comes, he kisses him, gives him a kiss, and then later on, when it's when it's when it's pretty much obvious, and yet you still can't see yourself repenting, you throw the pieces of silver, you you go and you hang yourself, because now you're completely in the arms of the devil. He's laughing his head off. He didn't have to do much to fool you. you fool, we fool ourselves. That's what I'm saying. We have a very dull worship. We have a very dull Catholic life. We can't, we can't give ourselves to him because we, we, we don't want to admit what we're holding back, what's holding us back. That's why. And you know, it's it's very difficult and it's making it very difficult for those who 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 love the church and who you know because we can't speak out. We can't speak out. It's not our business, and we're gonna to be told, you know, we know what we're doing, we don't need you. You know, mind your own business. And I think they know it. I mean, the parish I go to, and I'm not attacking the Italian uh, a Catholic community, but I understand I understand their history. I understand their need. I understand their, their position. But, you know, the Italian Catholic community has, has been established for a long time in this country. That parish is supposed to be built to Our Lady. And I understand the Sicilians had built it. The Italian community, the Sicilian community, majority, mostly Sicilians, but they all built it and they built it to the glory of, of God and to the devotion to his mother. But it's still Catholic. The main point is it's a Catholic church. It belongs to Christ and his mother. It has to be Utilize. It has to be exploited for him. Not exploited for for, for, for identity, for identity of, of, of ethnic identity. Okay? It it should not, it, it needs to be exploited to the glory of God. If this parish would only go the next step forward, do what it has to do. which is give the glory to god give it to him let's let's let let's stop being earthly let's stop let let let's be further out let's if every parish would do this if every parish would do this just start teaching the gospel start preaching the gospel start having uh, more let's have twenty-four hour Eucharistic adorations. Let's let's have maybe a more reverent nobis ordo. Let's stop being obsessed with ethnic identity so much. You know, people's uh ethnic or national identity so much. Let's let's have a let's have a, 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 a I mean, seriously, why can't we have a real reverent nobis ordo? Ad orientum a, f- a full liturgy, a really good liturgy, with some really good, with some really good Ligorian chants. Let's 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 do that and bring those people in. Let's have real good catechesis programs. But I don't think that's gonna happen. Let's finish this article. So do we really think that St. Peter and the Apostles sat around asking everyone to describe what they want out of the church? Did St. Augustine of Canterbury show up on the aisles and take a survey of how to incorporate paganism into Christianity? Did the 16th, 16th century Jesuits talk to the new Protestants about their grievances and then try to reshape the church in their desired mold. The concept of everyone sitting around and sharing their feelings about what they want out of the church is a modern conceit and that is wholly alien to Catholicism and to the proclamation of the gospel. The church's mission isn't to make us feel happy or even feel welcome. The church's mission is to save us and the only way that happens If we change our lives, not change the church, the church isn't an institution for the perfect, but it is an institution whose purpose is to make us perfect. St. Matthew chapter five, verse 48. That means that at the time, at the times it will call us to penance and sacrifice and hardship. Nobody wants those things and nobody's going to request those things at a synodal listening session. But our wants are irrelevant. What matters, all that matters, is what Jesus wants. See, right there, right there, he was right. Here it is. Okay, therefore, strive to be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The perfection, he's asking, is completely denial if we read it in the context let's see let's pick up here you have heard that it was said you shall have you shall love your enemies and hate your enemy uh, love your neighbor I'm sorry you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you this will make you children of your heavenly father, for he causes his son to rise on evil people as well as those who are good. And his reign falls on both the righteous and the wicked. If you love only those who love you, what, to, what reward will you receive? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brethren, what, what about what about is that so extraordinary? Even the pagans do as much. What he's saying here, and the next line is, strive to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What he's saying here, we don't have to, we can love those who are made in the image of God, even though they're living in sin. Yes, because they're sinners, because they need, they need repentance, but we don't have to love their sin. We can hate the sin of our enemy. But we don't have to hate them. In other words, become so idea that they're, they're beyond repentance. We, our job is to show them that this is the way to heaven. This is the way to heaven. Repentance. Repentance of sin. Repent of your sexual immorality. Repent of your immoral way of life. Repent of your, of your, your, your evil way of life. But Catholics are trying to do it. They're trying to love the sinner without repentance of sin we can't do that we have to we have to pray for their repentance pray for their salvation, pray for their change of life and a lot of Catholics a lot of Catholics the problem is we got confused along the way. we got confused. We love the sinner so much that we let him or her bring the sin into the church, which which caused the abuse the sexual abuse of people, of young, of young, of young of children. And then we became blinded. We're letting someone like James Martin bring that sexual immorality in the church. Because he can't separate the sin from the sinner. And this and, and, and this is happening all over to the point that a lot of our bishops in the in the in the audible book I'm listening to, um which is The Smoke of Satan, a lot of bishops don't know don't don't want to say anything now. They don't want to say anything. Just they're, they're they're so They're so into their business that they they can't say anything now. Let's go on here. The church is not a democracy. It's a monarch. It's a monarchy with Jesus as king. It is him whom we should be asking. What do you want? Not a group of suburban Catholics in their 60s imbued with the false self-centered presupposition of modern culture. You see right there he said it. You know, a lot of Catholics who are activists—the young, the old—now they're just a bunch of old, gray-haired hippies, bitter old hippies, who basically uh, can't can't admit that they're wrong, because that's the problem with that generation. It's even now a lot of the young people are going to become like them. A lot of the young generation X's—they're so narcissistic, they love attention. They're, the the show the program I saw. Recently in the show, The Chosen, and I'm afraid Talis Jenkins was doesn't know how to see this. I think he wants the show to be successful so much that I think he, he doesn't realize this. They had it the whole thing with the Generation Z or whatever you want to call them. And the first one about getting surprising them by watching The Chosen was great. It was wonderful. But then he they brought them in again. And, they, and, and the funny part is I noticed it's not the same. Um, the young one called Emma, I don't know why she was wearing this extremely short shorts. She's a very attractive young woman. And I'm afraid she, she fell into the whole, um, you know, uh, co- maybe a lot of people complimented her and her, and her adorableness and, and attractiveness that I think it got into her head. And, but none of them talked about, and, and a lot, and there was a young man there who's obviously, um, has the same sex attraction. He, he was, um. He has a lot of delicate effeminity, effemininous behavior, and he likes to wear earrings and he likes to do his eyebrows and he this time he came around with bigger earrings. And uh I noticed that none of them talked about if they if they read the gospel. None of them talked about if they seek a the relationship with Jesus Christ. What they talked about was the the, the celebrity attention they got. And then they also talked about like attacking the church because some of them have been hurt. Uh, like the young, uh, attractive African-American woman named Imana, I think Imani, she was sexually abused in, in a Protestant church. They're not, uh, only one of them is Catholic. Her name was Audrey. But even the young, uh, young man named Adrian I think his name is, uh, African-American man, who Jonathan Rumi um, kind of said some very important words to him that that struggle in his heart, that's Christ talking to him, drawing, trying to get closer to him. None of them talked about conversion. None of them talked about a, a sense of conversion or a sense that they decided to search the gospel. Instead, it was, like I said, it it basically they fell back into narcissistic attention and this young generation is very narcissistic it's extremely narcissistic because it's all about me you see like like the article says here it's all about me and this is the result of it and we don't know how to stop talking about ourselves we don't know how to folk we've been we've been made to to feel that we have to focus on ourselves, that our feelings are very important, but we don't even know what we're feeling. That's the problem. The more I see of the synod on synodality process, the more obvious it becomes that it's not just a colossal waste of time. And so it's actually moving Catholics away from the gospel. The whole concept is fatally flawed and should be resisted by Catholics. We do not look to our fellow Catholics to reshape the church in our image. We look to Christ to reshape us into his image by the help of the church. There you have it. It's it's great. I think that's fantastic what he just did. Now, I don't know what it is here about the, uh, the report. Let's check it out. What's this here? Please don't tell me it's something I have to download. Yes, it is. No. Okay. Okay. Let's see here. Okay. Okay, here it is. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ Jesus... With immense gratitude, I have the distinct honor of sharing with you the National Synthesis synthesis Project uh, uh, of the People of God in the United States of America for diocene. Okay, this is, I guess, the report, but uh, I'm not going to read it because I think what I just read was enough for us. Oh, wow. So... I agree with him with this. I think it's totally true. Okay, so it's 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 a problem, and I think our um, our Catholic bishops just don't understand it. It's a serious problem. You can't. They don't know how to talk. Everything is done with a corporate attitude. The bishops. I don't think are really being good shepherds. They're being more CEOs, and you know, like Scott—that's um, Scott Hahn. Michael Voris is talking about how many parishes are closing up in 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 like state of uh, Wisconsin, uh, parishes in Michigan where he is are being closed up. They just they keep doing the same thing, but they can't preach because I don't think they know Christ. You know, they don't think about it. Imagine that if a lot of parishes just close up, they close up, and there's and and what's going to happen? How are you going to preach? There's less places to celebrate the Eucharist now. They're clustering parishes. is that they, they, they've been doing this, and they just can't seem to get out of the mold that they're in. You know, and I think the problem is, you know, it's almost a reflection, like in the United States, cities have grown too big beyond the government's reach to govern. Or there's too many there's too much noise out there, too much division, too much too many things going on. And in a Catholic church, I think in many cases it has grown too big. Too big. And I think there's not that there, 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 in many cases is hard to govern. And I think in the modern world there's it's been shattered into pieces. Constant pieces. And I think We're listening to too many voices. Too many voices that don't need to be heard. What needs to be heard only one voice is Christ. It's Jesus Christ. That's the only voice that needs to be heard. And everyone else needs to be in tune to it. From the Pope to the bishops to the priests to the people of God. That's the only way you need to. You need to listen to One voice and and we 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 can't listen to ethnic identity we can't list, listen to grievances ridiculous political correctness grievances we can't be listening to 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 unrepented sexual immorality if someone does not want to repent of their sin if they want to repent of their sin that's where the church will help you but not to we cannot listen to unrepented sinners Who don't want to repent. Augustine himself. St. Augustine himself. Who wrote the confessions. Would tell you that. Chastity. Chastity. But not yet. That's not. You know. God, God wasn't going to listen to that. Jesus said. If you do not repent. You will die in your sins. He says that in the Gospel of John. The world, the, 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 Many of the people have decided, have brought the mindset of the world into the church. It doesn't work that way. The church has the mind of Christ. The bishop must have the mind of Christ. The priest must have the mind of Christ. The people of God must have the mind of Christ. Everyone must have the mind of Christ. It is Christ you must listen to, not the world. Okay, I'm going to end it here. And I'll come back with another episode. God bless.